everybody. Well, this is an interesting show we've got going for you today because we made strategic decisions along the way about COVID, did a ton of research on it, and voila, as soon as Colorado opened up, I happened to be there uh, doing some shoots for Gaia, and it had opened up not the night before I got there, and uh, so all the masks came off, everything came off, and boom, I came home with COVID, the Delta variant. So, we're going to talk about the Delta variant blues and our own experience with COVID because it was an incredible journey, uh, one I, I wouldn't replace, of learning, of beginning to understand how, which systems are working and which ones aren't, what it does to the body, and so on. So I'm bringing Zeus on because, of course, the gift that keeps on giving, as soon as I got home, I gave it to Zeus. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's the most likely transfer they say between spouses and family members and yeah we we definitely became one of those statistics for sure absolutely inevitable and we became statistics in other databases county databases kaiser databases and we became another statistic and um you know i thought i thought this was a, a really wonderful opportunity because even this morning i was looking in the week magazine and i saw five different cartoons on the delta variant every one of them highly politicized and propagandized and I, I was not happy to see that and I thought, you know we need to talk about this from an experiencer's point of view and from a recovery point of view because we're doing great and i was a triple risk going into it so yeah. It's interesting because I just read to you the FDA fact sheet on the Pfizer vaccine, not only saying it's not approved, <laughs> but right. also saying it's your choice and your choice alone. And then it goes on to basically not really give you any of the alternatives, but we have to go ahead and do that because we're not going to expect it from mainstream media. No, we're not going to. And so you and I had both, you, you've done probably more research than anyone I know. Uh, professionally or otherwise on COVID since it started looking down every rabbit hole to find out what's going on and um, I can say honestly you've been doing it without a, a hard point of view uh, when you started you want you we just want to know what was going on but as the information emerged along the way both of us decided early on even me as a triple risk factor um, decided early on that we were going to trust uh, the expertise of the people that we knew the um, alternative interventions and our own immune systems. That was our decision so that we could develop natural immunity. So I would like you to just pick up that thread of the story there on how, you know, what factored into that decision for you. Right. Well, for me, again, I would add science to all of that. Mm -hmm. The thing that's so interesting about this is that usually you square off between people using a very narrow understanding of science, scientific materialism, as your audience well knows, versus and anything that's energetic or homeopathic or spiritual in any way is scoffed at. And yet we have such a deterioration of actual inquiry and truth mattering that now we have the shoe on the other foot. Science is also supporting things like uh, the I word, right? I-V-E-R-M-E-C-T-I-N. <laughs> right? We have to spell it out. They might pick it up. But yes. Uh, and, 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 and so overwhelmingly showing that the motives and the emotional structure and the profit of, uh, of, 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 of those industries that have used science and even narrowly 
manipulated science on their side are now being confronted with straightforward, overwhelming scientific proof that what they're doing is not right. And, and they said, oh, who cares? They, they, they're going to take their ball and go home. Who cares? We're going to go plowing through anyway. We will use any mechanism we can, including those political cartoons that you talked about. And, and we are going to make sure we have no liability. And they're going to get $3 billion to come up with a therapeutic, one we already have, as we've just discussed. So now I am really, uh, I personally, that was part of my journey. That was my big insider awakening on this. And it wasn't just about trying alternative therapies. It was literally using true scientific rationality along with the understanding how energy works and the spirit and the learning lessons that this has for us and all the broad range of research we did to find out how to prepare yourself for this, the vitamins that you need for it, exercise, sleep, all that stuff, and then bring that together with something that could actually work and was verifiable. So that was my orientation. And I don't know if you want me to talk about, I would like you to talk about your experience first because it was more dramatic and I'll follow up maybe every once in a while on mine. But okay. uh, that, that, that I wanted to get that point very, very straightforwardly. We are no longer in the old battle between scientific materialism that has shown certain technological advances that have helped people, an old notion of vaccines, we are now in a completely different era of misinformation and disinformation and not even caring whether or not you have credibility, it's just force. And, uh, and it, it's been exposed. You're absolutely right, Zeus. And, um, and I relied a lot on the articles you passed through to me. We've done many shows on this already in terms of what came before this, but hey, now we actually experienced it. So yeah, I'll dive in. Um, for both of us, I went to Gaia, in it, the, um, which was, is in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado had just opened up midnight the day I arrived. So it was the first day everywhere you went, everyone had masks off. It's a college town. A lot of people there are vaccinated because it's kind of liberal, progressive, so high vaccination rates. Not, not knowing much at the time about shedding and all these other things, viral shedding. And what was not stated at the time is... I started digging further into it. The Delta variant had arrived in Colorado. If there was an article on it as one of the first states um, somewhere seven to 10 days prior to their taking the restrictions off. So here the Delta variant hits and everything's open. So I just have, I was out like everybody else out dining with some, uh, some of my uh, interviewees and some of my colleagues and enjoying myself. So somewhere along the way, I was exposed to it. First, didn't know it at first, and I think this is kind of the interesting part and the challenging part. And this is why, A, the Delta variant, they've already proved, is 50% more um, infectious than the Alpha variant, was, which was 50% more infectious than the original uh, version of COVID-19. So we're talking about 100% more infectious. You know, 120 120. Yeah, 50% and 50, it yeah. actually ends up being 120, yeah. And so the issue with it is that you don't know you have COVID. Most people like us did not know we had COVID. We live in a heavy allergen region with every kind of crop, every kind of tree and weed around our house. So we have allergies anyway. Um, so we just had normal allergies, start getting a little bit of a stuffy head. And not to get too graphic, but I'm saying these things so that you know some of the spectrum of of um, uh, symptoms, okay? So one of them was uh, diarrhea, loose bowels, and that went on 
for me, at least a week and a half, uh, Zeus's head started stopping up and he's like a bit of a head cold. That was the first bit. Then suddenly both of us became extraordinarily fatigued. But now, mind you, we're almost two weeks in. We could have infected a lot of people by then. We could have spread it but because we didn't know we had it. And that means other people are with the Delta variant are going through the same thing and spreading it accidentally. And that includes people who have been vaccinated. As we know in Israel, it's now showing 50% of the people getting the Delta variant are vaccinated there. 50%. So vaccinated or not vaccinated, once you get it, you may be spreading it and have no idea, which has been the case all along. So a couple of weeks in, finally, we were becoming extremely exhausted. I mean, to where I could barely wake up. In fact, my, I did an interview with this wonderful woman, Marin Mooter, and I could hardly get through it. And I fell asleep. And that's the day I realized something's really wrong. And finally lost my sense of taste and smell. Um, couldn't wake up, you know, sleeping all the time. And we thought, okay, this has shifted. This is an allergies. We're tested. Both of us went and had the, the primary test done. And it came back within 24 hours that we had COVID. Now, Zeus, I'd like you to pick up with your symptom. Oh, there was another one. And this is important because we're going to talk about some other things in here. I started having, we were out camping right after I got home from Gaia. I started having this odd sensation of burning under my skin. Turns out they call it the rash. It's not an actual rash, not for me, but burning. It's neuralgia is what it is. Under my hands and under my arms and wrists and everything, it was burning and very uncomfortable. Zeus, you have a coaching client that had that for three weeks, but over his entire body. So you can explain this, but I believe that's part of the body's cytokine response, and it creates this internal inflammation that shows in a lot of ways. I got, I ended up with the neuralgia part, but you didn't. So pick it up on what you had going, and then in addition, for me at the end, I'll tell you the rest, but brain fog, but we'll talk about what happened physically. Go ahead, Zeus. For me, it was very much like um, a pretty intense, I, I think part of this problem was that that there isn't with all this available information, there isn't the real, because if you're just concerned about profit, you don't really care about symptoms. The symptoms have dramatically shifted. In the original variants, you had literally no mucus, especially in, the, in, in here. And this one is now the primary headache and the, yes. the, the congestion is now the primary symptom. Right. Before they kept in, drumming into you, drag, dry cough, it's not going to be mucus, that's how you can tell it's a cold versus this the, the COVID. Now it's the exact opposite. It's and really we both had that. We both yeah. had the head cold. You, got, you had that part a little worse. Yeah, I had, I had this snottiness. I just, I mean, it literally was identical to hay fever during hay fever season and everything. So for me, you know, I didn't see anything that much different. I would say if you get cold-like or hay fever-like symptoms, I would still, now they have a $20 uh, test you can pick up at a Walgreens or any kind of department store. Um, yes. mm -hmm. Patrick's now or Bentix now or something like that. There's also one called um, AccuView or so I can't remember what it was. Clearview but, or something View, V-U-E yeah. at the end of it. But yeah. You can literally pick it up for two tests for $20, $25 at your local store. Just ask for the at home and in 15 minutes you can find out whether or not you have it or not so get one of those kits <laughs> right and see 
it, it, whether or not it's allergies or something else. That's one of the most responsible things you can do. We didn't because, okay, and we, we just kind of went on the old news. Well, first what? of all, California was opening up. Colorado had opened up. Everybody's getting ready to start celebrating the summer. We were among, like with everybody else, thinking, oh, good, this thing's starting to die down. Not, we, were, we weren't really prepping you know, up for an onslaught of it at the time at all. We were ready to start moving beyond it. Right, and no one really talked about uh, diarrhea or loose bowels or whatever mm -hmm. being this at all. We both got that, you and I. And we did it when we were on camping, so we thought maybe in camping it was all this extra... Food poisoning. <laughs> well, we, we did get a little ooginess after we <laughs> ate some peach cobbler, and we thought maybe the trees created no, more, you know, different allergens at, at altitude. <clears throat> all of these things that you normally go, thought process you normally go through, and all of a sudden, bam, when you lost your sense of smell, we knew this is not typical of any kind of allergy. This is. Right. And this, then. This is the one thing you can bet on. If you're losing your sense of taste or smell at all, it's almost definitely COVID at this yeah, point. Yeah, go get tested or do a home test and figure and it out. And eventually there. you did quite a bit and I did a little bit. For like a day to two days, I had a little bit of smell yeah. issue, a little taste issue, and then it was okay. Well, for me, it was only about, uh, it was a week to 10 days. Some people it's lasting months. Um, I, I was really lucky, but we'll get into what we did about it. Um, also, what happened when I lost the sense of smell and I was sleeping a lot is I noticed I was having a harder time breathing. Uh, so you ordered one the oximeter so you can measure your blood oxygen levels and also a um, digital thermometer. And uh, it also... Um, it also measures heartbeat rate, your heart rate. So the oximeter, I put, you know, you put it on my finger. I thought, whoa, this isn't right. You're, you look pretty normal. My oxygen had started dropping. And then it actually dropped to what is considered a, a pretty dangerously low level, which was it got as low as 87. We normally live at around 98, 97, 98 is good oxygen levels. Uh, you can be hospitalized when it drops that low. That is one of the things I look for. And the experience of it was that I could barely do, I could barely walk anywhere. And it was just <laughs> shortness of breath. But at the same time, my heart rate had gone up to 118 resting for the days my oxygen blood levels dropped. So I called Denise Warden and I said, look, um, I have covid and now I'm, now I'm struggling with oxygen and breathing. And that's where a couple of things get really interesting. Zeus, do you want to add anything at this point before we go into the next phase of this story where we started helping ourselves? Yeah, I think my response was different than yours. My oxygen level didn't really get below 93. My heart rate did increase a little bit, but not a lot. Like my, my, my resting heart rate's around 60, lower 60, sometimes upper 50s, and it got up into the 70 range, mid mm -hmm. upper 70 range, but, uh, and which is still, you know, it's, it's a significant increase, but all these signs are telling you that your body is needing to get oxygen into your body. And, uh, and yes, having that pulse oximeter, having the temperature, neither one of us had any fever. And that was another thing that was misleading you get such this notion that you're gonna have this kind of fever kind of spike in temperature. Well, that's the only thing they measure when you go out in public or you know, yes. to whatever kind of a, a hospital or an office building, they, they measure yeah. your temperature. That's not really yeah. relevant. 
it wasn't relevant in this case, even in the midst of your best, you know, your highest symptoms where you're, when your oxygen was dropping down at most, I think you had maybe a one degree increase in temperature and that was it. So again, a lot of this is because, because we were set up to think it was one thing and then if it didn't match that, then it's something else. This is a highly mutable disease that requires a comprehensive integrated approach that if you choose to have a vaccine or not, is not actually even the main issue. It's what you're gonna do around it to support yourself, to take care of yourself and how you're going to inform yourself and not just in the week or two or three in which the symptoms present themselves, but months after that in terms of recuperation, in terms of even learning and even enhancement of your body's understanding about how to deal with diseases going forward. So there's a positive end to this as well. There definitely is, but I'll tell you what I was extremely disappointed in is the fact that this was not readily available. If you've got a, this thing moving around the world, um, unique, you know, you, unique, you could say, you know, human uh, with human intervention, a virus going around the world, you would think that somewhere at some point, the media would have said, okay, here's your checklist. You know, this is what to look for. We have a new variant. These are the primary symptoms we're seeing statistically. There's nowhere to go. We had to figure it out on our own. And, and that's with Zeus doing all this incredible research. We didn't, we didn't know. And so where you can have, you can literally go to your drugstore, free, uh, free vaccines today, ice cream codons for kids, beers for people who want to get vaccinated, lotteries for people to encourage them to get vaccinated but nothing about if, if you do happen to contract it, you need to know what the symptoms are so you don't keep spreading it around to people. Nothing. You could go to random sites and find this or that symptom. So that's why we're doing this in part is to tell you the array of symptoms we experienced. Go ahead, Zeus. Sorry for interrupting. I think that's a really, really important point. I think more than anything, this thing has shown how orthodoxy and the typical or mainstream or conventional approaches don't work very well with a fast moving, fast mutating thing that's very comprehensive and very complex. We, they always looking for the silver bullet or the golden pill, right? And this does not work with COVID. Um, we've taught, we've done many, and I encourage you, you know, your audience to look at some of the previous videos we've done on this. We have done a summary, you and I, on all the vitamin supplements and lifestyle adjustments you need to do on this. We've done some on some of the, the silencing that has happened around various alternative treatments and so forth. And I, again, encourage people to go back into those if you haven't. But the main thing we have to do is realize this is about us. This is it, our relationship with this disease. Yours and mine were very different, right? Your response was different with mine. But what we had, was all that information surrounding us in a way that helped both you and I immensely increase our chances, increase our health. That's the main thing to remember. And it was integrated. It wasn't one team versus another, vaccine anti versus vaccine pro. In fact, we even said, if you choose to get vaccine, there's a whole vitamin regimen that can support you in that. And even ivermectin itself can be used to support people who have vaccines to defray some of the effects at least according to some of these studies. Right. It's contentious. I mean, some of it's contentious. That's fine. If things have low risk, 
and high, even possible benefit, and homeopathy also goes under this, then why not make that part of a comprehensive integrated approach that's going to increase your chances and your knowledge of your own body going forward? Well, that's exactly what we chose to do, and that's what we did. So fortunately, I mean, the whole I word that you just said, <laughs> uh, that particular drug, uh, that was a journey in itself. So what happened is after we found out we were positive, and certainly by then I'm starting to experience these other symptoms, we, you had been doing research on this and it appeared that this was really having an effect in impoverished nations around the world that couldn't get vaccines. They were uh, supplementing them with ivermectin and the rates of death were just dropping like a stone in Peru and India. So we were watching the statistics on this and thought, okay, time to do, time to pull that card. So we looked around through the group that you had been uh, following with Pierre Corey, Dr. Pierre Corey, and the group of MDs that was listed. We found one of the MDs that was able to do a phone interview with us and then um, give us a prescription uh, for uh, the I word, I-V-E-R-M-E-C-T-I-N, right? And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, first of all, we started taking that immediately that day. But Denise Warden, I, I want to add this in alongside because you, you could, people can always say, including ourselves, gee, what did it? You know, how, how did you start recovering? Well, it appeared to be a combination of things. But what Denise Warden suggested to me, Dr. Warden is really big on um, oxygen, as is Dr. James Hutton, who I greatly respect in Sedona. Uh, he heals a lot with ultraviolet, uh, hyperbaric chamber, uh, oxygen chamber, and also ozone. So I thought when Denise Warden, when she found out my oxygen was low, she said, go to a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. I could barely walk in there. I was almost ready to faint. Zeus figured out he did the paperwork for me. I just really was not functional by this point. I was so spacey and tired and got in there. And this was when the oxygen was really low. After leaving the chamber, first of all, if you haven't done hyperbarics, it's quite interesting in what it does to the body. But I wasn't able to take a breath. I couldn't breathe in even a tiny sharp breath. It would cause spasmodic coughing. Once I got in the chamber and you get used to decompressing, like diving, you know, you have to, you have to adjust for the um, pressure that's, that's increasing. Once you get there and you're stable, which takes a few minutes, I could breathe again. My God, it felt like I hadn't had oxygen in my entire lifetime. And so I, I, felt, my, I felt my energy coming back and I felt oxygenated. Now I want to say, and I want you, Zeus, if you would please, to explain what the hyperbaric chamber is doing more on a scientific level. But I will say, coming from that position and then getting out of the chamber, it was a little, kind of just a little jolt initially. I felt like I couldn't get air again because my body was now having to come back to a normal oxygen, uh, not so rich environment. So it freaks you out just a little bit for a second or two, but then you just adjust back. And I went home and then took the uh, oximeter levels again, and I'd gone up about three points after one session. So I bought a package of five, and I went four days in a row, and, and we began taking our ivermectin at the same time. So these two seemed to both be working in their own way, whether it was synergetic, so, um, it, whether it was not synergetic, what's the word, Zeus? Synergistic. Yes, yeah, synergistic. Yeah. Uh, 
my brain fog, I'm 90%, but I'm still searching for certain words. That brain fog thing is not funny. It's for real. Synergistic. <laughs> so whether they work synergistically or individually, we don't know. But I started recovering as soon as I started taking ivermectin and oxygen. So you really need to figure out if you do get something like this, figure out where not a hyperbaric chamber is. Um, it's really, I think, I think it was really key in recovering because over about four days, my oxygen levels went back up into the normal range. So Zeus, go ahead and maybe a little comment or two on why the hyperbaric chamber appears to work so well for this. Well, the um, ivermectin, for instance, they have taken people off of ventilators after a day of ivermectin. There have been documented cases of that. So it could have been ivermectin alone, but I can tell you that it was a much more intensified effect uh, with a fair degree of certainty, even from scientifically, with regard to that in combination with a hyperbaric chamber. A hyperbaric chamber actually increases the pressure within the chamber. What that does is it increases the ability of the body to dissolve gases like oxygen into the blood supply. So if you're, what happens is COVID disrupts your vascular system, including your oxygen exchange. Not only does it cause clotting and inflammation, which already limit the efficiency of oxygen exchange and a healthy exchange of waste and oxygen or gases like carbon dioxide and oxygen and other things, because we also, you can also have problems with constipation and dehydration as well. So you have that when we'll, we'll concentrate on that. But when you have that thrown off from all these different things, um, what, what, what this hyperbaric chamber does is it allows, especially because it's supplying much heavier doses of oxygen, not the 21% you normally get, but higher doses, but by increasing the pressure it allows far more some 20-fold more, 20 times more of that oxygen kit into your blood plasma. So It even felt like being in a rainforest where my entire being was being fed, every cell with oxygen. It felt uh, unbelievable. And, and that is what the genius of that is, because this is a medium-term gain of getting through this without getting into a hospital and without dying from it. It is, there is a, a, a time, and it's usually about two weeks after symptoms. That's what, that's what it was. Yeah. Boom, two to three weeks. And actually at the 21 day from first exposure or first detection, all the way to 21 day, your viral load has gone way down. It's the after effects. This thing dysregulates your system, creates those cytokine storms, creates those clotting, creates the changes to your actual red blood cells such that your oxygen and CO2 mainly the oxygen is not really getting into your tissues. Hyperbaric chamber corrects that by allowing even inefficient damaged or discoordinated blood cells and, and vascular system to absorb far more oxygen and get it out to your body. Really and important. That, yeah, that's what created the uptick. And we had a scientific test of this. We had you do the oximeter before you did it, and then we had you do the oximeter after Every you Every day and then the next morning. Right. Right. And it maintained yeah, I mean, two steps forward, one step back each day, but it mm -hmm. stepped up over four days back yeah. to the normal range. Right. And, yeah. and, and ventilators do not seem to operate on this principle. Like I said, it's like drinking through a fire hose. Instead of opening your body, which is what hyperbaric does to receive and dissolve more oxygen, it's trying to force more in there. Right. 
you can't force it into a system that cannot accept it, yeah. but you can work with hyperbaric oxygen chamber to allow physics to help you open your body, <laughs> very scientific, <laughs> through pressure and increased oxygen content to get it into your body. And especially during those critical times like you had, Regina, where your oxygen is getting to the critical level, it is absolutely critical to just get that oxygen in there and allow yes. to allow time to buy time and work with the ivermectin and other therapies to allow your body to recover past those really uh, tenuous points. Yes. You know, as your body is starting to produce those antibodies, as, as your body is starting to get over those humps, there is these critical points, and usually it's about two to three to four days, where you need to have something to keep you at a, at a manageable level as you go through it. Well, I'm very grateful to uh, Denise, Dr. Warden, for um, recommending that. And she was adamant, go, go find one, get in there now. And so that was the most brilliant advi advice. I hope you're enjoying this video because if you are, there are dozens more like it on my site, all supported by people like you. So if you'd like to keep this work rolling in and join our community, just click on the Patreon button at reginameredith.com. That also gives you access to insider commentary, my live book club, and other live events with special guests. So join in. Thanks. Um, the other thing that was going on simultaneously is I still had this this tingling, this this burning under my skin. And it, it turned out, Zeus, you were listening to that international group of doctors and they said one of the other things that people were using and successfully as a repurposed drug, as, a, as the eye drug is, uh, for the inflammatory effects, which right. we talked about a bit ago and that painful response to that, they were using another drug repurposed called fluvoxamine. Now, you didn't have inflammation and didn't use it, but the right. same doctor said, mm, if you're having these kinds of symptoms, you need to go on that along with the eye drug. I right. did. It's an antidepressant drug. Right. Uh, in the, uh, what is that serotonin group of uh, chemicals, Zeus? Yeah, there's serotonin, uh, SSRI, serotonin, yes. uh, 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 they reduce uptake. Of, of serotonin, of serotonin. So, they keep, so they keep more serotonin in your system yes an inhibitor of of, of taking serotonin out of your system right. that's what SSRI. the SSRI stands for well i found it interesting because i'm not i've never been depressed and i really i if someone even say my sister says it's wild watching you you have the mildly manic part of manic depressive with none of the depressive and that's how I get stuff done. <laughs> a lot of movement in my life and that's true and of course anyone who's been uh, manic or even mildly manic knows it's a lot of fun and you don't want to give that up. Well I found just as a side effect an antidepressant actually knocked me down to where I could only think one thought at a time and focus on one thing which probably made me a lot more bearable for people around me but it didn't feel good. I didn't get as much done. Right. <laughs> so that's the fluvoxamine part of it, but it did. It took all the internal inflammation down. It worked mm -hmm. like a dream. So just letting you know that. Um, if you do end up with, if you do end up with this down the road, that's another piece of it that you can add to that puzzle. And, and, and let me, um, the, 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 the group of international doctors that are working on this that are critical care workers, it's called FLCCC, three C's. The frontline critical care COVID or frontline COVID critical care workers. Okay. So if you look up FLCCC, I think it's .com, 
or just put in FLCCC, it will bring up their homepage. They have places yeah. where you can get the I word and they also have a protocol spelled out. Yes. A, a prophylactic protocol to prevent you from getting COVID, a treatment protocol if you have it, and a long haul or post COVID thing once you've got it, once you've had it. And that's what we were working on. So Voxamine is part of that post protocol to help with neuralgia, help a little with brain fog as well, apparently. Yes. Successful. Yeah, I think that was the primary function of it was the brain fog. And I was definitely having brain fog. Um, yep. But there was another piece of this too that we should probably put in at this point. Mm -hmm. I had been taking some, and everyone says it differently. It's B-O-L-U-O-K-E, right. which is a silkworm enzyme. Okay. In mm -hmm. the, in the uh, it's called lumbrokinase. Lumbrokinase, if you want to look it up in terms of what its function is, it has parallels in the pharmaceutical industry that are used for heart issues. Well, this is natural. You can order it. It comes out of Canada. And so I had been taking a little bit of it. And then at the beginning of um, COVID, at the beginning of the whole COVID phenomena, not for me personally, just as part of a preventative. Um, and what it does is it stops the fibrin buildup, this clotting thing that you've been reading about and the damage, lingering damage to the heart and lungs and such. It essentially stops the, the formation of uh, the fibrin from building up into fibroids and these other, you can explain it a little better, Zeus, tumors, yeah. or, not tumors, but uh, blockages and such. So I was told, get on a higher dose of this baluke, I call it, okay? and stay on it um, while you're experiencing these symptoms and then beyond it. So now cut to a little bit later, starting to feel better now, went into a local MD that we'd been told about who was actually working with SARS-CoV-2 at Fort Meade in his military days as a researcher. So he, does, he understood the nature of this. He also had some heart issues from the stress of his job in uh, the military in that time in Vietnam. So he had a little bit, of, he has some heart issues himself. Uh, otherwise, a really what wonderful fit guy. I went to see him to get checked out and say, hey, how, what do my lungs sound like? Does it look like there's any long-term damage? And he is also a supporter and had been putting his clients on low dosages of the eye drug. Uh, as a preventative. He asked me what I've been doing. When I told him about the Baluque, he said, my God, you know about this. He said, I take two a day and any client that has any kind of pulmonary issues, I make sure they take this. So I'm now staying on a couple a day instead of one a day for a little while. And probably I might just stay on it. I mean, it's a wonderful preventative. But that was another part of not incurring kind of long-term cardiopulmonary damage. None that can, he said, I sound totally clear and good to go. So I'm very grateful for that because I was certainly at risk of that. Zeus, you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I just wanted to say again, none of this is construed as medical or expert advice. No. But right from the beginning, let me reinforce the fact that your best chance is to be engaged yourself to make choices that bring this information. You know your body best, speak with qualified people, do your own research. This becomes part of the information you can get. It should not be seen as a gospel truth. 
No, this is just our experience. That's right. what we said. <laughs> our personal journey. The right. Delta Blues, our personal experience. <laughs> right. So I'm just sharing so that if any of this pops up with you, you'll you'll be able to write some of this down and say, wait a minute, let me talk to whoever your health practitioner is and see how they feel about it, how I feel about it. How you and, feel. On, and on that webpage, FLCCC, they do have a places where you can get ivermectin and you can get in contact with doctors that can prescribe ivermectin. Yeah. So, um, so that's one way to get it. We happened to go to an actual health food store. We were able to get a local reference because health food. This store same doctor I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this, this doctor we're talking about, should we mention the doctor's name or no. maybe the Sacramento? No, because they can get in trouble. I mean, there are people that patrol this stuff. Don't yeah. want to get him in trouble. So going to your health food store, naturopath and others, usually can find through the grapevine a local person that is willing to do this. And let me make it absolutely clear. It is absolutely within the right, and I would even say the ethical obligation of a doctor who believes, one, that this repurposed drug, this I word, right, because it normally has worked as an antiparasitic, but it has very good antiviral properties, not just for COVID, uh, uh, but also for Zika, for AIDS, for, uh, I mean, for HIV, for many others, West Nile Dengue virus, fever. Dengue. Dengue fever. Yes. So it, it so, so, the, and that happens with all kinds of drugs, including Viagra, which used to be a heart medicine. And now it's one of the biggest selling drugs in the world it has nothing to do with heart medicine. I can tell you that right now. So, so, so it is the obligation as well as complete legal right for any doctor to use the professional judgment to help treat their patient in a way that can use a repurposed drug and prescribe a repurposed drug, period. So if anyone tells you that it's either pseudoscience or that it's illegal to use a repurposed drug without, quote, FDA approval, they, I tell them, guess what? Your Pfizer vaccine is not approved by the FDA. We found that on a fact sheet about the, it's emergency authorized, but the only reason why it's authorized is because there is apparently, to their mind, no effective or safe alternative, more effective or safe alternative. But now, the I word, that one has been FDA approved for decades. It has been FDA approved for decades, very low to any risk to taking it. It's been transient and or mild for over 4 billion doses around the world. And so now they're in a bind. <laughs> now we want to make more money by creating more therapeutics, but we already have one that's off patent, produced very cheaply, you know, and generically to actually help, help millions, if not billions of people around the world. And that's where we are right now. So if you yourself, I'm going to encourage you to do more research on this. Um, and need access to that, there is a site on the FLCCC site which said, how do I get it and how can I be linked up with the doctor? And the other one is linking up with local alternative, uh, local, local health food stores, naturopaths and so forth to find doctors that can prescribe that or will prescribe it because they all can prescribe it. Every single one of those doctors can write you out a prescription right now. Many of them have resisted it for what reason, I do not know. It's extremely safe, and it has been shown in several meta-analyses to have a massive impact. And these FLCC guys, they're all critical care workers. 
So they're the ones on the front line having to deal with it. I would much more trust them than some bureaucrat or someone else. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's important to know, um, you know, this, what we're doing right now in, in talking with you and sharing this is really part of our, uh, all of us individually and collectively empowering ourselves and gaining knowledge ourselves because we're in a new terrain now and it crosses over. It's, we're in a new world. We all know this, that where information is flowing very differently. Uh, people are being propagandized very differently. So we feel it's our job to really help you understand so we can share our stories with each other. And we even, even on Ivermectin, we have a community called OurNeighborhood.Earth, O-N-E. And in it, we have a lot of really amazing people, a lot of healers and artists and so forth. And when we had one private meeting on this, one of them said, look, I have a connection coming from Mexico. If anyone in the community needs any, uh, let me know. I'll try to um, hook you up with some. Um, whether as a prophylactic or, you know, if they've had symptoms. So, I mean, that was a very generous, lovely thing to do, but that's how the new world is working now. Now it's back to community. It's back to us. So we found that way. Then our doctor, the same one that I told you about right near us, he prescribes it, except you don't have to pay between 300 and $4,000 for a phone visit. Some of them, some of the people that were recommended on that list were opportunists because people were sick. So find who you can. But our doctor is, was both a chiropractor and an MD. So he was he's uniquely positioned. Look around your, your community. See who you can find that can be a partner with you. Meanwhile, we got the rest of it out of India. So Zeus, you go ahead and talk about that. You found one of the supplies for uh, most ideal way to do, The most ideal way to do it is there's an app called GoodRx. Mm -hmm. That reduced our drug costs for the flu, would have really reduced the drug costs for ivermectin, but we, we took another one, an anti-nausea drug, and it went from like something in the upper 200s to right around $60, literally 75% off. And it's just an app that you can use in any pharmacy if you're not insured, and it seriously reduces the amount of money you have to pay for your drugs. So we use that the second We've also seen the ads for it. Good RX yeah. is the name. So of if you use Good RX, don't use CVS. CVS is literally denying people this. They are wow. skunks. But we, it, Walmart, Walgreens, others are much better about this. Even Costco is much better about this in terms of filling a prescription once you do get it. Ideally, what you do is have the Good RX. You have the local doctor prescribing it. You go in. And you're going to only pay about twenty, about twenty-five to thirty dollars for sixty-three milligram pills. That's enough to get you through maybe a couple months, or if you're in the middle of COVID, to get you through a week, right? And it, and that's not that's bad. What the research shows. Yeah. I took twelve milligrams. You took twelve milligrams a day. This is our again. This is not advice. This is not medical advice. This is our personal experience. We were given this information from a variety of healthcare practitioners and MDs and settled on the 12 million amount. We went with the actual qualified doctor's right. recommendation on this. Right. We didn't just go off on our own research here. We followed no. what this thing. And if you take it, and it's important to know you to, to take this on a full stomach with a lot of fatty foods. If you take it on an empty stomach, it does a good job wiping out the parasites, but it doesn't get into your blood as well. It's a fat-soluble thing, and you can increase by over double. Like if you took 12, you're going to get basically the effect of 24 milligrams. 
if you take it with like something like, I think it's 30 grams of fat. I took it with some MCT oil, two, two tablespoons, that's your 30. I take it with yogurt. Those are other forms of it. They have fat in them. So that gets more of it into your bloodstream, right? And less of it going down through your digestive tract. If you have parasitic issues, they say empty, empty stomach may be better. If you have COVID or COVID symptoms, having especially a fatty thing in your stomach as you're taking it, taking it on a full stomach has been proven to be better. Yeah. And uptake. Very so good that, point. That's a very important point right there. You've got the good RX. The, the, the thing in India that we have, we, they, they, they are used to, and they're making money on it because it's about $5 a pill and it's, they're making it for pennies. Oh, the price of the eye drug has definitely gone up. Even our friend yeah. had someone mule it back from Mexico for us said the yeah. price And you can do it and it still works and they send it in nondescript packages with no yeah. labeling through the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> but it is, you know, I found it to be, and they throw in some extra, you know, Viagra salads. It's like, uh, it seems like not on the up and up. They were up. literally throwing Viagra salads in with it. <laughs> so it gets to be almost like, oh, is this for real? But from what I can tell, it is for real. But still, the preferred route is a local doctor prescribing it, good RX, and going to a pharmacy that will actually fill it right by you. It's going to be the lowest cost, both for the drug and for the initial consultation for the most part, and it will allow you to continue to get it as you go into the future, right? Yes. And you need it again, you go to the, back to the same doctor, you get the same prescription, you pay the same price. So I would say that is, the, that is the primary path to do this. I agree. And, and by the way, you also get a qualified doctor's recommendation exactly how to use it so no one can criticize you for going off the reservation. You've done everything right, right? You've gone through the whole thing right. You haven't You've, you've gone to the qualified protection, you've, you've done the right thing, and you've not paid an arm and a leg. That's the way to do it. And of course, they're going to try to keep that from you. Uh, and we're not. We're going to go right to it. But there are other alternatives that for some reason you can't do that. You can go on the FLCCC site, find a doctor that will do it over the phone or over, over Skype or something, and you can go through India or, or other uh, manufacturers and do get a hold of it. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because um, this doctor that we're talking about, this local um, man who is both a chiropractor and an MD, uh, I started sending other people to him too that had already had COVID and were having some heart issues. Mm -hmm. And so they could start looking at the whole protocol because he, you know, they're, they're a pretty creative lot. I think uh, doctors of chiropractic, uh, o, uh, DOs, and also naturopathic physicians, they usually have extra tools in their bag. So those are good places to start looking right off the bat. And he's turned into everyone's fi favorite doctor now. Now we, we're, we pay for uh, Kaiser. So, you know, we're paying for a service they did not believe in any alternative care when they found out we had it. You know, they basically sent us a nose, drink a lot of water, you know, if you can't breathe, go to the hospital. And that was all, that was it. That said, I just want to say this. I had a conversation with, um, you remember this, Seuss, the part of the COVID MD outreach team. Um, once you, you are in the system, they'll make a phone call to you and then just kind of talk to you about it. How are you doing? Do you need anything? Which he was a wonderful man. And we started talking and he said, you know what? Nobody knows what's going on with this. He said, I've been working since COVID began in the ER. He was an ER doc. 
And he said, I've never gotten it in all this time, been exposed over and over to COVID. He said, my family, who I tried to protect, I have my wife and my four children get vaccinated, as is recommended by all the HMOs and such. And he said, every single one of them got COVID a couple months later. His entire family got sick. He said, no one knows. No one really knows what's going on here. That's just a fact. And so we had a really lovely discussion. I said, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going this direction. I'm going to use these protocols and do what I think is right. And he was, he was actually supportive. And yeah. at one point I said something that could get him in trouble if it was recorded. He said, I didn't hear that. <laughs> so, you know, these guys are walking a thin line themselves. Right. So I just wanted to put that out because this came from a Kaiser MD. Right. Everyone but him and the family got sick with COVID after vaccine, double vaccinations, by the way. I think we can be compassionate to yes. each other. We don't have to have the, the, the white hats and the black hats and the good teams and the bad teams here. If people want to, don't want to, or ignorantly going to not look at alternatives, especially ones that appear to be proven uh, effective and safe, then that's on them. You know, we will do the informing of each other. There was one other thing we didn't talk about, actually, Regina, that was Cobra Talks. And there oh, is yes. A, there, that, there is, yes, please. There is a patch. There's a bit of a hole in the long-term recovery to, uh, to COVID. They talked fluvoxamine. They also talked about certain corticosteroids, okay, as helping. But sometimes you get these syndromes, macrophage syndrome or mast cell syndrome, that seems to last for quite a long time and they don't really have something to help with the long-term inflammation of that necessarily. We tried something, it's Cobratoxin, it, uh, patch for all with the number four, patch. I think four. the shortcut is patch20.com. Right, patch20.com. Just, just cause I think, you can, I think you'd get it cheaper if you use that URL. Um, yeah, but you get 20% off, so patch20.com. Okay, right? but it's called, I think the patch is called Ultimate Pain Relief. It's not called, it's called Ultimate Pain Relief. And it has a snake on it. <laughs> and, and they come in six and they come in 30. I think the 30 is cheaper per unit. But we both tried that and had an immediate effect, especially with me, on a little bit of uh, pain and swelling around the joints as in, you know, the, the effects of this inflammation and so forth. It had an immediate effect. We didn't use it for that long but it did carry us through a week and a half or two weeks. And I think it was also an effective part of our personal strategy. Something to play with if you have chronic pain, you right. could play with it and then see if that's something that could work in a situation like that for you. Um, right. So that's just another tool that was in our box. And thank you. I forgot to bring it up. Right. That. So in the end, I mean, I, I've said this before, I'm very grateful to have gone through this and there, you know, and everyone's wired differently, even though my oxygen was low and I couldn't breathe very well. I never felt like this was going to get me. I felt like, okay, we got to go to the next step and improve by the day and was just patient with it. Um, but the amount that we've learned, including about the really pretty ugly politics around it, uh, was interesting. What we've learned by way of resources to help one another was amazing. I mean, it was priceless. And we got through it. And even I, with that, that kind of triple risk factor person that I am, have gotten through it. And I'd say probably even every symptom is gone. Everything's clear. Little tiny bit of brain fog in terms of just reaching for certain words. It's still a little bit of a blank spot here and there. 
Um, but that's, I'd say, corrected up to 90% already. So both of us are back. We, we came back faster than they expected. The MD said take a couple of months. It's been a couple of weeks since we got over it. We're feeling fine. We're literally a couple of weeks. And uh, we're, we're pretty much good to go. You can go out and do long distance riding. I'm building my stamina back up. But what's being done to stop us from looking in these directions is, in my opinion, immoral and unethical. Um, if not even criminal in some cases, to withhold information from a public that needs it. Uh, critical information during a time of, quote, global crisis. And right. so, yeah, and go ahead and talk about that, Zeus, even Canada. I just wanted to throw in an example here that shows you how criminal it is. Yeah. I was listening to a lawyer that represents people that have sued for that I-word drug, right? <laughs> there was one hospital in which the infectious disease doctor that worked for that hospital prescribed the I-word drug, okay? And the hospital itself still refused to administer it to that patient. Can you believe the, 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 the kind of arrogance needed for that kind of thing? You override your own doctor. And they were able to successfully sue to get it. In each one of these cases, they were off ventilators. There were four different cases that this one, they kind of specialize now in representing people who are trying to get a hold of this. And in each case, they all went out of the hospital in very uh, short amount of time, got off ventilators, et cetera, and they were gone. So we have not just real world success cases, but we have worldwide whole population success cases in Indian leathers where as soon as they inter intervened with ivermectin and made that policy, they went down. And we had certain cases in provinces where they were basically bought out, you know, or they for well, some They used remdesivir instead had the exact opposite effect. They just went right back up again. So we, the critical care doctor is the ones I trust. The actual result in the actual real world is what I trust. When these people sued, they got on ivermectin and they were out of the hospital and off ventilators in a fat matter of days. One has to ask the question, why would these hospitals, given that clear evidence in front of their face and given the clear safety of this drug, decide who are they working for? They are not working for that patient. We do know that. And that, to me, is the most dangerous thing that I've seen so far. It is saying in explicit terms, you are fodder for our power and decisions. We are not here, according to the Hippocratic Oath, to do no harm to you and to make sure you have your best chance. You are here for us. And I find that just contemptible beyond the Contemptible and offensive on every moral and ethical level and there are doctors there are doctors who have come out and stated look if this thing works if it can either prevent it at an early level or if you get it right off the bat as soon as you get symptoms knock everything else out or even like us we already had we we're already in the long haul part of it by the time we started taking it and then knock it out after you have deeper symptoms they said if you have this at your disposal it's easy to produce why are we giving people vaccines at all you know now, that said, 
there's some evidence that if you have your immune system is you're older, your immune system is trashed, and like my father and the people in his assisted living home, uh, they are all vaccinated and they all did okay with it. They don't they don't have as strong and robust immune system as we do, and as certainly as children and younger and teens and young adults have. So there's there's the argument for people who are on the more vulnerable side perhaps getting vaccines. And you can all do your own research on that. We've all done a ton of it. But the bottom line, it comes down to if you are exposed via vaccine or if you get it, we're talking about the immunity afterward. And that is something that is they're doing a lot of uh, research on, studies on, a lot of articles are coming out on it right now. And again, just like the I word drug, they are putting naturally developed immunity, meaning after, like we had when we had chickenpox as a kid. That was lifelong immunity in that case. And for many, many things that we've caught along the way, we have natural immunity. But now they're saying, oh, doesn't look like this one's going to give you natural immunity if you get it. That's not true. No. And they're actually like, known to us, you have two vaccines, you can't leave our country or come into this country. Why don't you accept a positive test COVID followed by an IgG immune test? that's positive. That should be every bit as good. And as we found out doing the research on it, natural immunity is more than good enough. It appears to be superior. Okay. Absolutely. At this point. Absolutely. So if you want Absolutely. to make a final comment on that, Zeus. Yeah. And we're not in the game. Let me clarify this. We're not in the game of saying the I word, whatever, versus a vaccine. Because the fact is there have been research that shown that the, that this I word drug works well in helping you when you even if you've chosen to get a vaccine yeah because that is a type of exposure and so we have on here that high risk groups that have underlying conditions are quite a bit older is the research especially since they were the lion's share of people being hospitalized right and, and dying that the research indicates that the vaccines would be well placed in those and people under 18 less than two in a million are dying and, and, and less than 1% are being hospitalized. So the research is showing that they're not well positioned for that. And the people in between, it is time to make your own assessment, right? Talk so, a little bit about the immunity issue before we sign off here in terms right. of what people can expect, whether they get a vaccine. Well, they don't know yet. In fact, right. I think Pfizer's own site says they don't know how long it'll last. That's well, the, the nice thing about natural immunity is that it tends to be a lot longer lasting. In this case, they're finding, they've proven that it will last seven to eight months at least. And that's basically the entire time that they're really doing this study. So there's a very good chance that this has many years or even a lifetime. Well, now, the can I add, they're finding at that seven, eight, because that's the only amount of time they've had to really study it here right. on this. They're finding that the effects are not waning. It's at that right. point, it's still active. They just don't know how long. Some are right. summarizing it could go for years or even a lifetime. Let's talk about, let's talk yeah. about. They're finding it's moving from the spleen into the marrow. Mm -hmm. so this, this, there are scientific indicators that this will be a long lasting thing that's remembered by the body and can produce things again. The one nice thing about natural immunity, it takes the whole virus into account. And, and, and the problem is that many of these vaccines you know, Moderna and Pfizer in particular had an early form of the spike protein. That is the part that's now mutating. Okay. 
And these and that and those things are becoming less effective against that mutating virus. Well, that's according to Pfizer themselves. Or, or it's spike less effective against the Delta variant, dropping from ninety-seven percent down to in the sixties now in the right. U.S. In the fifties in Israel, who's done a study on it. Right. I mean, there are are different things that say, oh, it's only dropping a little bit, and other things that are saying it's dropping more. The fact is, it is dropping and mm -hmm. will drop. The innate immune system that gets through natural exposure is a much more comprehensive system, period. It's a much more vital system. And in every way, shape, or form, it, it, it largely, you know, like with chickenpox, would be recommended. People are trying to get their kids chickenpox, but if they don't get it, then they want to get a chickenpox because the adult form of that disease is really hard. Right. A similar logic operates here. And that is older people who don't have any innate immune system pretty much left and who have serious risk factors seem to benefit pretty well from this because it may defray that boosting up in hospital. So vaccines can have effectiveness. And even those that have temporary effectiveness, like these are beginning to show themselves to be, can get you past those initial waves of epidemic and get you past hospitals being, you know, you know, overwhelmed, grim and so forth, and that can save your life. So I'm not, I'm not gonna diss vaccines, but especially for those high risk and older people, it seems to have effectiveness. They've demonstrated effectiveness in terms of limiting, they say it, again, these are companies themselves who are, who are selling this, who are telling us this. We don't have independent confirmation of this for the most part, in terms of lowering the COVID, which is the effects of the SARS-CoV-2. But given, Given a choice, it, it, I think it could be fairly stated that natural immunity will be superior. It sounds like it at this point from the various articles I've read from the NIH even. So, no. you know, in summary here, um, everyone has made their own choice. And we know, most of the people we know have been vaccinated uh, for a variety of reasons. A, wanting to travel out of the country. B, their kids wouldn't let them see their grandkids unless they were um, vaccinated and everyone has reasons for choosing what we have each chosen. Zeus and I chose our path and you're, you've chosen your path. Doesn't matter what the path you've chosen is at this point. What matters is how we start educating ourselves because we're going to be having to contend with other things in the future. How we move forward and educate ourselves and make these informed decisions for how we're going to support our own immune systems into the future. And I hope that sharing some of this information with you in terms of how what, what the symptoms were and how we decided to um, approach it and what the long-term effects aren't we're very lucky for and how we're recovering i'm i'm hoping that this is shedding some light on it uh for as this news is moving like fire around the globe about this delta variant we're some of the early people in america to get the delta variant so i really um this is all to be empowering and to all kind of join hands on this one uh learn from each other teach each other get the resources we can get together because the people in any positions of authority are not going to be telling us the full truth anytime soon that's a rare body that's going to tell us the truth because if you want to look at it from the most cynical point of view 
you could say this is a business plan. That's why they don't inform you as to what the symptoms are so you don't transmit it. That's why they scare the hell out of you on the news every single night. That's why they give our kids ice cream cones to line up for the jabs. It's a business plan. Anything else, okay. I don't want to really argue with anyone, but that's the bottom line. It's the evidence points that to be absolutely true. And a final comment from you on that, Zeus. I'm, I'm pretty adamant about it. I would say, listen, motives, look at not what people say, look at what they do. Motives determine everything and they can be shown over time. So look at what people do. Are they doing things to care and to protect and to use all available methods to, in a comprehensive way, give you your best chance of health and survival? Or are they trying, especially for bad reasons, to cut off the debate, to cut off that information, to, to, to put down and to humiliate and to degrade? If that is what they're doing, then it's showing you what their motive is. And that motive is not to help. It is to, it is to advance themselves, whether it's their ego, their reputation, their profit margin, and it always will be at the expense of someone else. So there is only a win-win and lose-lose. The lose-lose is where arrogant people begin to win and profit by exploiting others. The win-win is where we rebel against that and we use the best science and the best alternative stuff and bring it together to help one another as we're doing in this video. That really is where the so-called battle lines are drawn between compassionate people that really wanna help and move things forward and they will use good sense, intuition and spirit, all of it, not one against the other, versus other people who will dismiss and try to bully their way to controlling other people's lives. We do not need that, we do not want that, and we cannot allow that. We have to be very firm with that. We cannot allow that to be a practice that, that continues. I couldn't agree more. You and I are totally on the same page. We decided to approach it this way, and here we are out the other side sharing with you. So I really hope this has been beneficial to you. Um, I hope it stays up on YouTube. We don't know what's gonna happen because of uh, the content. Hopefully we, we just had one of the, the words in it, so hopefully it won't be flagged. And please feel free to share this with anyone you feel could benefit when they're at this stage of trying to make up their mind or they're being bullied uh, one way or another to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. Just share this practical kind of personal experience with them. And again, this is not intended as any medical advice for anyone. And go to RegidaMeredith.com <laughs> if you aren't already there. Yes, Zeus. Thank you for mentioning that, <laughs> that RegidaMeredith.com. We have all our... You I always forget. <laughs> I know. And everything to mention my own site. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have that. Um, that's supported by Patreon. Anybody who wants to jump in to the super private conversations, which we've been having with our patrons because we feel a little... little more comfortable sharing the edgier stuff there than on this format that goes out to the world. And, and also ourneighborhood.earth. Yeah. Ourneighborhood.earth is this community that we're talking about. It, there is a small fee to join, but once you're in, it's very well designed. And we have very high frequency people there. Very high frequency that are sharing a lot of information and live events where we share uh, regularly together. So that's turned out to be really wonderful. So that said, everybody, I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on this one, the Delta variant blues. Uh, until next time, go well.